Today in The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt shares a challenging message on generosity. God is not honored when he is the last thing on the priority list. God is not honored by our duty giving. He's not honored when we do it out of some obligation. He wants our hearts. Let me ask this question. Why is it so hard to be cheerful in giving to God? Because we love our stuff so much. In a world that values material possessions and money above generosity, the allure of wealth can sometimes overshadow the joy of giving. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. I'm your host, Tim Svoboda. Today, Pastor Steve unveils a pathway to break free from the materialistic mindset of our culture and to embrace the generous and joyous spirit of God's kingdom. You can listen online at thejourney.fm. But right now, let's join Pastor Steve as he begins a message titled, Wanted, A Generous Life. Good evening, everyone. Take out your Bibles as we get into God's Word tonight. We are in 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. If you happen to be visiting here tonight, we're just in the second part of a two-part series on the subject of generosity. And last week, we took a look at one of the parables that Jesus told about this guy. Uh, He's known as the rich fool. And the reason he was the rich fool is because he uh, had a sudden windfall suddenly became fabulously wealthy. And as Jesus tells the story, his only thoughts in this are what he can do to build bigger monuments to his own ego. He has no thoughts about uh, helping others. He has no thoughts about maybe what God might want him to do. There's no concern whatsoever what he could use that to do for the kingdom of God, the cause of God in the world. None of that. He merely wants to build bigger barns. And what we see in that story is that money is always the great revealer of our hearts. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 6. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did you hear that? Heart and money always go together. So wherever your money is, there you find your heart kind of being over there. And wherever your heart is, there you don't mind putting your money. Always go together, heart and money. And so we said last week, if we want to know the real priorities of our hearts beyond what we act like on a Sunday or in our small group or in the prayer before the meal, look at the checkbook, look at the credit card statement. That says where our real priorities are at. Now, here's the thing, everyone, is that Jesus doesn't talk like this, and and he he didn't say this because he wants our money. That's the last thing. It's, It's already his anyway. Christ wants our hearts. And since those two always go together, you can't give one without giving the other. That was the point of last week. So the parable of the rich fool just shows how foolish it is to live for the things in this world, to live for the things that this world has to offer. Uh, Because the rich fool, God says, hey, listen, you're going to die tonight. Then who's going to get all the things that you've been, you know, living for? So that was the parable of the the rich fool. Tonight, what I want to do is I just want to lay out a simple portrait of a generous life. The kind of life that when you're dead, you will be glad that you lived. What does that look like and how 
do we get there? And our text tonight is 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. Let me just read this to you, and right away you're going to see why I have selected this for uh, the message tonight. Here's what it says. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, and be ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. May God bless his word to us as we seek to understand what this means and apply it tonight to our life. Be praying in your heart as I try to explain this, that the Lord would bless it tonight. All right, 1 Timothy, just very quickly, 1 Timothy is one of three letters from Paul that are known as the pastoral epistles. And they're called the pastoral epistles because they're a kind of blueprint for how the church and how pastors and how the people in the church are to function and look at things. So, Shepherds are to operate this way, and sheep are to operate and to do things this other way. Notice that the text begins by saying, as for the rich in this present age. So this is a little portion here that is given to folks of means, those who have money. And as we talked about last week, this is talking about us. If you are an American Christian... You are amongst the wealthiest, uh, not only people in the world, but the wealthiest Christians who have ever lived in the church. Now, Paul says here that there is, that there are two things that the rich are to do, they're not do, there's one thing that they should do, and if they do the one thing, there are four things that they're going to want to do. And you're like, hmm, I know you didn't get that, but it'll be the outline. Tonight, you'll get it by the time I'm done. So, we begin with... Uh, what the rich are not to do. And the first thing he says is that they're not to be haughty. Charge them. The word there is like command. Has authority behind it. You tell them not to be haughty. Uh, And this, of course, is the great temptation for anybody who has money, is to think that because I I have a lot of money, I must be worth more than people who do not have as much money. This is what's behind the very common question. People will say, what do you think he's worth? How much is she worth? And we all know what that question's really asking, do we not? We're not asking the question, what, are they, what is he worth as an image bearer of the divine? What is he worth as a soul redeemed by Christ? What is he worth as a beloved of his family and friends? All these other realities that are true In a materialistic culture, those things don't matter. Everything is reduced to how much it is worth financially. And so for the rich who look in the mirror and see that they are worth more financially, the great temptation is to think that I am therefore worth more personally. Does this sound like anything, any place that you live? This is the American way generally speaking. So here's the thing that Paul is saying. Shepherds, tell the sheep, 
Don't be haughty. So I'm saying, you know what I'm saying here tonight? Don't be haughty. Don't think of yourself as rich, being worth more than anybody else, to have an inflated view of yourself. Because who are we in Christ, after all? All of us, rich, poor, we are, it's not a trick question, we are sinners. We are sinners saved by grace. So don't be haughty. The second thing he says here is in regards to hope, that the rich are not to put their hope in their wealth. So this is the other great temptation that those that have money struggle with is to want to trust what that money subconsciously promises to us. But why do we feel this sort of elevation? That's not the right word. We feel happy (laughs) when that happens. Here's why. Because in my mind, I subtly think to myself, you know what? I have more purchasing power now. There's more that I can get than I thought that I could a moment ago before I found the $20 bill. Think of the things that I can do with this extra money that I have in the checking account. I feel better about, I feel good. I feel happy. Why? Because I got more money. And that money is saying something to me that I like. Feels good. Now you multiply that times thousands of dollars in some people's case or tens of thousands of dollars in some people's case or hundreds of thousands of dollars in some people's case and you see why Paul would say, tell the rich people not to put their hope in money. Because when I get a $20 bill and I'm like, hey, when I got $10,000 bill, I'm thinking, awesome, right? I want to trust it. And it wants me to trust it. Let's talk about the Garden of Eden a moment. What was Adam and Eve, what were they really doing when they went up to the tree there and they took the fruit? Was it really about the fruit? I mean, was it a food issue that they had? We're hungry. And there's not another tree around here that we can, all the other, I don't know, I'm tired of all these other trees. I've ate them for, you know, however long they lived. I'd like something new and different. Let's go to the new restaurant. God said not to go to that one. Okay, I'm missing my analogy now, but you see what I'm saying? It it wasn't about the food. It wasn't about the fruit. What Adam and Eve really wanted and why they took that, they wanted to be like God. They wanted to be gods themselves. They wanted control. They wanted power. They wanted the right to self-determination. And that fruit through the temptation of Satan, represented the ability to have now all of this to myself, to be their own God. And friends, this is why, it's the same with money. Money is not the problem. If you leave here going, boy, that church doesn't, they think money is the problem. Money is not the problem. You know what the problem is? Our hearts are the problem. That's why he says in verse 10, he doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. He says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Because the same spring that loves money is the same spring that is going to live for self. And self wants control. Self wants power. Self wants the right to determine its own future and to find its security in it. And this is what money does for us. It's, it's a in-this-world promise that we can hope in instead of God. I got money. I don't need God. 
I got lots of money. I don't need God. I'm glad he's there just in case, but I don't really need him because look what I have. And my money allows us to buy the things that security wants, right? I can buy health. I can, I can, I can, I can buy uh, shelter. I can buy warmth and clothing. I can buy friends. Money offers all of these things apart from God. And of course, all of these things are a lie. That's why he says, tell the rich not to put their hopes in the uncertainty of riches. Money promises that, but it doesn't deliver. And on top of that, what do we know about money in our present economy? Easy come, easy go. What goes up must come down. Hate to be... Reminding you of some sad realities that we're dealing with in our present economy and to bring up your bank account, your house value, your whatever. But this is, this is, I mean, our country as a whole is living out the truth of those few little words right there. The uncertainty of riches. And this is why when the stock market crashes, guys are jumping off buildings. Was there hope in God or in their money? And their response to the downturn reveals that, does it not? So uncertain. Why would you hope in something that is so fleeting and runs away? Why live for it? Why trust it? Why find meaning in it? And so Paul's just saying, hey, tell the rich, don't be all full of yourself because you got money. And don't trust it. Don't find your meaning in it. Don't think that's where your security lies. So those are the two things that rich Christians must not do. Now, there's one thing that rich Christians must do, and it's the next thing I want to talk with you about. Don't put your hope in the uncertainty of riches, but on who? On God. But on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Now, this is one of these brilliant uh, balancing statements that the wisdom of the Holy Spirit inspired the writers to write. Because here we have the wonderful balance where on the one side you could hear, uh, maybe hear a message like this and, or maybe look at the previous two verses and think, well, what we need to do is we need to join the convent and we need to eat vegetables out of our gardens that we grew ourselves and wear uncomfortable, out-of-date clothing. And that's really godly. And some of you have believed that for many years. Um, that's, God is not a prude. God's not a prude, okay? God's cool, if I can say it that way. And this is the kind of coolness of God. He made this earth beautiful and bountiful for us to enjoy. Christians will misread some of these kind of verses and will go out and will live sort of ascetic lives and say, the more miserable I am, the more godly I am. And that is not at all, the, that's not at all what Scripture's talking about. God gives us our, the things that we have, the resources that we have, and the bounty of this world to be enjoyed. Don't feel bad when you are enjoying something that God has given to you as a gift. We see the balance of it here. Enjoy them, but don't live for them. Enjoy them, but don't put your hope in them. Put your hope in God. 
Now that sounds good, and most people would amen that. And you might be saying, well, I already knew that before I came in. My, my dollar bill says, you know, uh, what does it say? I can't remember right now. In God we trust, yes. So I knew that already. I didn't have to come to church tonight to hear that. Well, perhaps what's lacking in our currency uh, theology is something that tells us what that looks like. In God we trust, okay. But really, what does that look like in terms of a lifestyle? How do we live that out? And this is verse 19. What are the rich to do? They are to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So what, what does trusting in God, not my money, look like? And I'm not even going to really describe these too quickly, or too, more than just to mention them. To do good? To do good a lot? That's what it means to be rich in good deeds? Okay? Not just at Thanksgiving and Christmas and, you know, to be rich in them. It's a lifestyle. To be generous. And how often are we to be generous? Well, at Thanksgiving and at Christmas and Easter. No. Eager to share, it says. Do that a lot. And the wonderful promise that we find here is that by living this way, the rich can gain the thing that keeping our riches can never provide. You see it there in verse 19. Thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. Okay, so think dot and line here. The rich in this present age can live for the things of this world, stockpile them, hoard them, try to keep them. But what happens when they die? What happens when Ramses dies and when King Tut dies and when John Rockefeller dies and what will happen when Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and whoever the richest person in your neighborhood is, what happens when they die? They don't get to keep any of it, do they? And so it's the silliness of it to think that I'm going to stockpile it now, but then i got to give it away. Solomon, Ecclesiastes, bemoans the fact that you pile up all these resources only to give them to a son who might be a fool and squander it. This is the, this is the dilemma of all earthly riches. We take nothing into the next life with us. Nothing material. Not one penny goes with us into the next life. But what this verse is saying, and what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount is, and this is the exciting thing, is that every penny, every sacrifice that I in this life give for the glory of God and for the good of others and the work of God and the kingdom of God is a penny or a million dollars that God stores up as treasure for me in heaven and will reward me someday for that sacrifice. Okay? And that is how the rich in this present life can be rich in the next life. There will be many who are rich in this life and will be impoverished in the next. This is what is known as the treasure principle. Randy Alcorn calls it the treasure principle, that we don't keep anything. We don't keep anything, but we can send it ahead. And the charge is to be generous in this life so that I can have treasure in the next, reward from Christ in the next. A kind of reward that I will never give up. I will give up everything in this life when I die. I will keep everything in the next life for eternity. Dot, line, which are you living for? That's what the passage is saying. 
So I just wonder, if you think about this, if you, if you send it ahead with your time investment, your talent investment, your treasures, all the rest, does that sound like a good investment? When Jesus himself says, I will reward a hundred times as much in the next life, that sounds like a pretty good investment. I can tell you your future. You are going to die. The car you drove up here in, the house you go home to tonight, the money in your bank, the clothes you've got, the things of this life that you have will not go with you. And some people are going to walk into eternity naked, nothing to show for their life. And other people are going to be richly blessed. And I just want you to be richly blessed in eternity. There. Brought it full circle. Get what I'm saying? Okay. I won't belabor the point. Now here, this is, this is so wonderful. Here's how he ends this little section. He says this. So that they, the rich, may take hold of that which is truly life. That they may take hold of that which is truly life. And this is the final lesson that we have in this, just I'm doing a brief exposition here, is that the generous life, the self-giving life, is real living. This is the best kind of living. This is the best that life has to offer. There is more joy, there is more gladness, there is more human life as God intended it in the giving of ourselves than the keeping for ourselves can ever provide. Nobody in their deathbed thinks, I wish I would have worked more. I wish I could have made more money. Nobody thinks that. Those pursuits are empty. And there's a place for work and there's a place for gaining wealth and I'm not speaking against those things, but they have to be in their proper place Real living is measured in our giving, our love. What is love? Self-giving for the good and joy of another. It's not just a good idea. It's the best kind of life to live, the one that means the most to us. Here's how Jesus said it, Acts 20, 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. There are more blessings that come in the giving of ourselves than the receiving or the keeping can ever provide and so this is our challenge whenever we talk about this is to shed this materialistic mindset because it's just, it's just, it's preached at us every day. It's the American way. It's the American dream is to shed that mindset and to embrace what the Bible is talking about here. Materialistic people hate verses like this. Materialistic people hate messages on giving. You're listening to The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt and the start of a message titled, Wanted, a generous life. Remember, you can replay your favorite messages from Living a Generous Life series online at thejourney.fm. On our website, you'll also find articles and other practical resources designed to help you grow in your faith and live it out each and every day. And if you're looking for an easy way to listen to The Journey on the go, well, download our podcast. Just search your favorite podcast app for The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt. Well, here on The Journey, we believe in the power of the gospel to guide us through the journey of life. And that's why each day we share God's word to listeners all around the world, online and on air. But as a listener-supported ministry, we couldn't do it without you. 
when you give to this ministry, you help keep this Bible teaching program on air, offering guidance, wisdom, and hope to those facing challenges. So would you give today? Your partnership will allow us to multiply our efforts in reaching souls for Christ. Just call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or make a donation online at thejourney.fm. And as a thank you for your gift in November, we'd like to send you Randy Elkhorn's timely book on generosity. It's titled The Treasure Principle. In this book, readers are moved from the realms of thoughtful Bible exposition into the highly personal and practical arena of everyday life. Discover how joyful giving brings God maximum glory and His children maximum pleasure. Request your copy today. Call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit thejourney.fm. Well, I'm Tim Svoboda. Join us tomorrow when Pastor Steve concludes today's message titled, Wanted, A Generous Life. That's Thursday here on The Journey with Steve DeWitt. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.